Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We're going to talk about sustainability today and how we have a company that can really help make it easy and make you love to be committed to it because they make it so easy. They were one of Time's top 100 most innovative companies last year. And so if you don't know who they are, I'm really pleased to introduce you to Sanchali Pal, who is the founder and CEO of Commons. Hey, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Allison. It's great to be here. Well, give everybody just a little insight into what Commons is and how easy it is for them to use. Commons is an app that helps you make sustainable spending choices or spend your money in a way that's good for you and good for the planet. Um, When you download the app, it's free to use. You can download it on iOS or Android. You can choose to connect your credit or debit cards in the app, and we'll show you which of your purchases are most sustainable. We'll help you discover sustainable brands, and we'll even help you earn rewards when you shop sustainably. Well, and and I have interviewed people before who've had had apps in this space, but and I talk to a lot of different people, and, and I really do like all of the different um, features, and, and we'll come back to that. But I want to talk to you a bit about, about the why behind the app and a little bit about your founder's journey. I know that you have worked in sustainable development. Give our listeners a sense of, of who you are and how you got here. Yeah, for me, the, my journey to sustainability, I think, was not straight path. Um, I grew up in the Boston area, but I moved to India when I was in high school and moving to India. My parents are from India. They were, they immigrated to the U S we moved back when I was in high school. It was an opportunity for me to see some of the effects of, uh, poverty and the climate crisis firsthand. I realized the, you know, just how much I had taken for granted things like clean water and energy. Um, and I started to become really passionate about helping other people get access to those, uh, very simple you know, but really crucial parts of our daily lives. So I came back to the U.S. for college, studied economics, and I studied international development and sustainable development, really motivated to think about how can we help people all over the world develop and increase their quality of life the way that we have in countries like the U.S. Um, But what I learned along the way was the way we've developed in the U.S. is not very sustainable. If every country developed this way, we would end up with... um, a world that was using far more resources than we even are right now. Um, so as I, I started to work in international development, I went and lived and worked in India and then in Ethiopia. I started to realize that climate and development or quality of life really go hand in hand. It's mm-hmm. critical that here in the U.S., we decarbonize our lifestyle as well, continuing to maintain a high standard of living. And in countries like India and Ethiopia, we help people increase their standard of living while reducing the carbon intensity of those lifestyles. So I took something that I was doing in my own life, which was carbon tracking, um, and started thinking about how can we apply this tool of carbon data to help us make choices that are, are better for us and better for the earth. Well, and I want to sh- I want to share with our our listeners, um, you know, what I love is is, you know, you have 
a, a BA from Princeton in economics, you have an MBA from Harvard Business School, you could basically go and and apply your skills and talents and insights to a lot of different businesses and industries. And, and this is what you've chose to apply that that talent to. And, and I think that is part of the reason, a nice compliment here is why it's such a, a good platform and, and product. And, and like I said, I've, I've seen a lot of these, these different things. And I want my listeners to know, I've also said no to a lot of people who have apps and and I'm very choosy when I bring apps into the podcast as a guest. And, and that's why I think it's impressive. I know there's this, this piece of information when I was doing research and before we got on this interview, that your data shows that somebody that uses the app can reduce their emissions by 20% in the first year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what our analysis shown it, but in 2021 and 2022, the last two full years we've done this analysis, we found that our users who are engaging with automated carbon data about their lifestyles and using the app to learn and to lower their emissions have reduced their emissions by 20% in the first year and have saved about $200 a month while they've been doing so. Well, I want to talk about growth in, in, in how you've gotten this app move forward because I think the app space is actually a very competitive and tricky market to um, get yourself known and and to get that that lift. So, um, tell us a little bit. I know you worked um, with an accelerator, so tell us a little bit about that early day and then the approach that you took to that first launch. Yeah, I think if I had realized how hard launching an app was, I would probably not have done it. Um, but I thought, you know, it's an app. How hard can it be? Um, so initially when I was setting out to do this, I was a solo founder. I had no background in computer science. I was an economist, as you mentioned, by, by training and focused on international development before I was working on this product. But I had worked at Tesla briefly and I had seen the power of a really good product to help people change their behavior. Um, and I wanted to do that here as well, where if you could just have a really good app that was just as good as a fintech app or a mindfulness app or a, a fitness app, and it would help you manage the sustainability of your lifestyle, like it made it really easy and it made it better for you, for you, you would definitely use that product. Um, so that's what I set out to build. And I got lucky. I got into Sequoia Capital's early stage accelerator. Um, it did take, you know, several months probably a year or so of thinking about this and starting to build out my prototype and testing with users before I got to the stage where I was ready to go to an accelerator. Um, but that accelerator really helped me clarify my thinking about who I was trying to serve, who my target audience was, and what the core value proposition was. And initially, the thing I was really confident in was we needed to make this easy for people. It needs to be no manual input required. You don't need to log everything you do in your life. It needs to be just as automated as using, you know, Credit Karma or Strava or Calm, any app that you use in your life to make your life better. They should be just as easy as those apps to use. Um, and so that was a core part of what we set out to develop was how do we make it just as easy as connecting your spending and automatically getting all the information you need to spend more sustainably. I am a big fan of incentives. And I, I think where you mentioned, you know, it's hard to change people's behaviors and so, you know, not only do you need to make it interactive, and I'm, I'm looking at your app right right now, right? Not only do you need to make it interactive and easy to read and understand, but you give out these rewards. 
So tell us a little bit about the business decision and when it came in to say, let's give out rewards. And what do I get to do with my rewards? Rewards are very new. We just launched them in mid-September. It's a couple of months ago. Um, rewards, basically, we to your point, we needed a way to help people feel an instant sense, sense of gratification and accomplishment for spending sustainably. And often there's this feeling that making sustainable choices might actually be more expensive. Sometimes it is. If you're making a choice like buying an electric car or putting solar in your house or buying organic produce, those things can be more expensive. Uh, but we want, what we wanted to set out to do was show that you could not only save money, but you could actually earn money by making sustainable choices. It should be a no-brainer. We want to make the sustainable choice the easiest choice you could make. Um, so not only do you get rewarded for things that save you money, like shopping at thrift stores or public transport, um, but you can also earn rewards by shopping at companies that have actually uh, measured, reduced, and offset the full emissions of their supply chain or have received the climate neutral certification, um, which includes brands like REI or Allbirds that are really walking the walk when it comes to sustainability in a measurable way. Um, so now you can earn rewards for shopping at thousands of brands. Uh, we have hundreds of them featured in the app, but you can you can earn rewards for even shopping at your local thrift store or taking public transport in your city um, up to $30 a month and, um, and feel really good about the choices you're making. Was it difficult when you first pitched that concept to um, bringing in stores and and having them come join in and see this vision um or did you was it a pretty easy sell for them well what was interesting about this process is that we vetted and evaluated the brands ourselves um so we were using is this brand actually lowering emissions in a measurable way that's defensible we don't let companies apply to be part of the app we are making our own decisions about whether we're going to feature an app uh, a brand so that means like you know, we've gone out and said public transport is included or electric utilities are included, thrift stores are included, brands that have a climate neutral certification are included. Those brands did not have to agree to that. They're getting the benefit of us um, independently mm -hmm. designating them as a low, low emissions brand. Um, and right now we make no money for recommending those brands to our customers. Um, and I think that's important is we wanted to make sure to establish early on that um, we have a sort of rigorous third party approach to saying what is actually a low emissions company um, and a company can't buy their way into the program just because they want to show that they're sustainable. Um, but from a business perspective, it makes sense for us because if we can acquire more users and some of those users decide to subscribe to carbon offsets, which is how we make money. So if some of those users decide that once they see their carbon footprint, they want to offset their carbon footprint and they want to do it in a way that's rigorous as well. So they want to use evaluated projects um, that Commons has curated for them. Then it's totally worth it for us um, to bring those users onto the platform. I love that. I I know that you are on your way to scale up. I think you said the next milestone is to hit a million users um, and that you're experimenting a lot along the way. So give me an idea of of some of the ways you're experimenting or, or trying to reach out because you yourself said, you know, launching an app's a hard, a hard thing. And, and once you get momentum, it, it will carry, but tell us a little about what kind of play playful strategies you're trying right now. Yeah. 
So currently we have tens of thousands of users on the app. And as you said, our goal is how do we get to our first million? That requires a significant amount of scale from where we are, but that's where you know your mainstream app once you have a million users and you're on your way to tens of millions. Um, and so as we're thinking about that today, that's been part of why we've been really fleshing out the sustainable brands and rewards parts of the platform. In our earliest versions of the app, it was much more focused on users who had an understanding of their carbon footprint or who wanted to deepen an understanding of their carbon footprint. Maybe they'd seen, they'd used an online calculator and they had a rough sense of where their emissions were coming from, but they wanted a tool to help them make more specific choices in their lives that would have a measurable impact on global emissions. But that's a pretty educated, narrow audience of people who are already thinking about, you know, how can I lower the emissions of my lifestyle or how can I offset the emissions of my lifestyle? That's a pretty small segment of the population. Whereas the proportion of people who want to spend their money more sustainably is huge. You know, apparently 67% of Americans want to spend their money more sustainably and they need tools to do it more easily. Um, so that's what we're thinking about as we as we plan for scale. I appreciate that. Let's flip and talk about the building of your team because you said you started off um, as a team of one and you know, leading a technology company. Uh, so so tell us about a little bit about lessons learned as you've built this team and and a little bit about your team today. Yeah. Well, initially, I, I had co-founders, we split up very early and I ended up becoming a solo founder building this company on my own. That was not the plan, um, but there I was. And I decided I got into this early stage accelerator um, and I had the benefit of a lot of amazing mentorship through that program um, and also initial pre-seed capital to start to build out our company. So in 2020, I started making our first full-time hires and we launched the app in the app store in April, 2020, kind of a tumultuous time in the world to be launching a new product. Um, I respect we went all from... <laughs> of you that I've talked to that have, have launched right in front of COVID or during COVID. What a, what a, oh my goodness. What a yeah, year. What a business story. <laughs> It's really been a crazy few years. I, I imagine everyone who starts a company thinks that the years that they started their company are crazy, but 2020 was quite quite a crazy time. Um, and I got, got really lucky in the early days I met our CTO, Nick, um, who was one of the first engineers at Stitch Fix and had grown with Stitch Fix through IPO. And he, was, he had recently become really passionate about climate. Um, and he had exactly the complementary skill set to me. Um, he knew technology in and out, um, had been a seasoned manager and executive, and I needed someone like that to work with and to balance me out. Um, so the two of us started working together now three and a half years ago uh, when we launched the app. And he's helped me build out now almost a 20-person team across not only the Bay Area, where, where a core group of us live, but also a hybrid remote team across the U.S., well, so nice. I mean, it, it's just, it is a lovely story how you've, how you've grown and, and you've evolved. And I always like to ask my guests, you know, what was, what would you say was one of those harder lessons that you had to experience as you went through that process that if you were mentoring another new founder today that you might say, well, keep an eye on this. Oh my gosh. So many <laughs> um, but I think that there's there's a lot of times in in 
you know, any company that's going to be around for, for many years, you're going to have ups and downs. And there's specifically, there's going to be these times where it feels like nothing is working. You're just like wading through molasses and nothing is sticking. And I think that one of the things I've come to realize is that those are just periods of time that, that will change. Um, and when you feel like that, one of the things you can do to really give yourself hope and momentum is to go talk to users. So if you ever feel stuck or like you're not sure what nothing's working and you don't know what to build, sometimes what I've done is I just clear my calendar for like three days and I just talk to as many users as I can in that time. And then you come out of those three days feeling like, oh, there's so many things I can do to serve these people better. Um, because often users will just tell you what they want. You know, they've not exactly always, but once you talk to enough of them, it'll become really clear the questions you have around prioritization or what's going to, what, what do people really want will become a lot easier to answer. Well, I think that's really great advice. And I, I think that is something that no, no founder or CEO should get too far away from because it, it is easy to maybe get away or have middlemen telling you, well, this is what the users are saying. So actually, I, I think that's lovely advice to, to share and and clearly you're serious if you're saying you're clearing, you know, two or three days out of your calendar to make sure that you can, you can do this. Where do you see commons going next? I mean, I think what's been really interesting is that reward seems to be really hitting a chord with our target audience. And there's still a lot of work to do to make it work exactly right for folks. We need to make sure that we're rewarding the right behaviors, not just, we don't want folks to spend more money. We want folks to spend in a smarter way, a more sustainable way than before. Um, so we're still playing with sort of how do we build gamification and then how do we make it more than just um, about spending? How do we make it about building a more sustainable lifestyle and doing that with other people and starting to see the collective impact of our choices over time? Because that's where this app really starts to make a difference. If we have you know, millions of people making more sustainable choices, that's where we're really making a meaningful dent in climate change and sending a signal to companies that we want a more sustainable economy. Um, so I think rewards is the thing that we'll be really working on um, in the coming weeks and months. And then the other thing that we've been interested to see is that people really do love getting to understand their data better. Um, it's something that we've seen a lot on Instagram. Um, Instagram is actually a really good forum to share data and visual data visualizations and infographics mm -hmm. with folks, even people who aren't part of the app yet can still get value out of things we share on Instagram or on TikTok. Um, and we're also starting to build in some more useful data visualizations into the app. So you can understand not only am I, how am I doing over time? How has my sustainability progressed, you know, since last year, since last month, uh, but also how am I doing versus other people like me? other people in the community, other people in the U.S. Um, so those are some of the, the things we're working on. No, I I do appreciate that. And I, I, I think you're right. Data vis visualization, when it comes to igniting or changing human behavior is is huge. I, I think this, you know, we're going to attack it from multiple ways. One, I'm going to educate you and make you smarter about what you're doing. I'm going to show you how you're making progress and I'm going to reward you. I, I think it's a really kind of triple threat there that um, offers a lot for people. Hey, what are you reading these days or listening to or where are you going to keep your 
energy and your motivation up as a busy CEO? Great question. Um, I think in general, um, I subscribe to a bunch of newsletters that I find motivating and exciting. Um, a few that I really enjoy and I always read are Seth Godin's newsletter. I love his oh, little yes. piece of wisdom. Um, also, Climate Tech VC is a great newsletter for folks interested in the climate space. They do a great roundup of who's getting funded and they do a deep dive into a particular topic. Um, so those are a couple of the newsletters I read. I also read Lenny's product newsletter. They always have some great tidbits in there. Um, I love listening to podcasts. I find I get a lot of inspiration from listening to other people's stories and what they're working on. So that's not only things in the climate space or in entrepreneurship, but just hearing more about what motivates people, um, what they're working on and being an economist at heart. I love stuff like Planet Money and The Indicator <laughs> as well. Oh, being an economist at heart, you're not going to, that, that's not going to get far from you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Always there a little bit. <laughs> hey, um, I want to go back and, and talk about this, this global view, um, going back to where you started at the beginning of your story of, of, you know, you shared what it meant to, you know, live in Ethiopia and, and live in, in India, but what does it mean to you to move the United States forward and being better global citizens and having better stewardship? I don't know if my question is fully making sense, um, but I, there's a passion there I, that you have. I think so, definitely. I mean, I grew up in the U.S. I still feel most comfortable here. It was super inspiring and interesting um, and shifted my perspective to go live in other places. And I would love to continue to do that at, at a different point in my life. But fundamentally, you know, I grew up here. And um, I think what's amazing about the U.S. is that we have, we do have access to some of the best innovation in the world. Um, interestingly, we actually have a lot of the innovation relatively mainstream that makes our lifestyles more energy efficient, but they're not fully deployed yet. And so that was one of the things that really inspired me as I was thinking about starting Commons was how do we take these solutions we already have? We actually don't need to innovate that much more to decarbonize our lifestyles a lot. Um, and the UN um, IPCC report, their intergovernmental panel on climate change last year, they had this whole report on how can demand side interventions or the ways that we use energy help us get to our 2050 climate targets. What they found was that 40 to 70% of the emissions reduction we're trying to get to by 2050 can be created through lifestyle and behavior change. So that's about half, you know, 40 to 70%, about half of the emissions reduction we need to, we need by 2050 will come through lifestyle and behavior change. That's huge, right? That's stuff mm -hmm. like shifting our diets towards more plant-based diets. It doesn't mean being fully vegan. It means all of us shifting our diets a little more to be more plant-based. It means electrifying our homes. It doesn't mean, you know, just having solar panels on our roofs, but it means actually potentially working through our utility providers to opt into renewable energy when we don't have the option to install solar or working through community solar um, to, to electrify our communities faster. Um, it means using energy more efficiently at home. It means buying more sustainable clothes, buying fewer things. It means traveling in a more sustainable way. All of these elements of our lifestyles that on an individual basis 
might not make a huge difference, but collectively when all of us shift our behaviors makes a huge difference, adds up to about half of the emissions reduction we need to see. And the US is one of the places where we can actually reduce the energy intensity of our lifestyle significantly without sacrificing quality of life. While actually maybe making our lives richer, we have more money in our pockets because we're not spending on stuff we don't need or we're buying more durable things. Um, we're happier and healthier. We're walking more, biking more, taking public transport, connecting with the people in our communities. Um, so I think that's a really inspiring problem to work on. And it's something that makes me excited every day about the work we're doing. Well, I appreciate all that insight and it's it's really good information to think about. And again, I think this is why when um, Commons was introduced to me that I loved this piece about um, helping me select products, make smarter choices in a very kind of quick way. Um, because sometimes, you know, we do get too busy and we don't want to think, but when you have a tool that will help you pause and you know that it's for the greater good. And as you said, you know, trying to fit, hit the 2050 planet targets, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing. And so love it, love it, love it. If people want to learn more, find out more or connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? Well, you can definitely download the app in the App Store or the Play Store. Um, just search for Commons and you'll find it. Um, you should check out our website, thecommons.earth. And you should follow us on Instagram, on socials, um, on TikTok, at the Commons Earth as well. Um, at least there you'll get to see some good tidbits about sustainable living, even if you're not ready to download the app. Well, thank you so much for coming in and being a guest. And to our listeners, if Chantali said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, um, pass along a copy of this episode. As I always say, I bring on great guests that should be part of your LinkedIn network. So if if not LinkedIn, I, I think the Insta Instagram is a great place to go um, to go follow, but definitely add her to your LinkedIn stream so you can see the posts and round out your knowledge about this topic, as well as follow her business journey. Um, I want to thank you. Any final thoughts or any final words for our audience? No, but a great point on LinkedIn. You can also follow me or the company on LinkedIn. We're definitely active there as well. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Oh, wonderful. Hey, to our listeners, um, you know what I say, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. You can reach me at connect at allisonksummers.com if you know of an innovative CEO that we should be talking with. Hey, everybody, have a blessed day. Bye. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.